0: Well, good evening, everyone. It's been a while since we have caught up. Uh, The podcast pretty much became a snooze fest in line with how the racing scenarios were for the past few races, but we are all back because today was the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which is also the season finale. Uh, No drastic change in the final results with respect to who came up top with the driver's championship, uh, the second driver, the world championship, records like leading 1,000 laps in a given season, you know, 21 wins for the, uh, cons- the winning constructor out of 23 races, uh, 19 for someone who maxed out this year, and uh, two more for the other person on the right-hand side with Checo. And Saints being the only per- non-Red Bull person to win the race this season, it's been a season of domination for one particular group, But there have been a lot more interesting nuances that played out for all the other constructors, a nail-biting finish to deciding who's going to be the second or third in the Constructors' Championship, and a really cool mix-up for at least the fourth place in the Drivers' Championship, even though the first three were sealed. Let's hear what our finalists have to say about all of this as the season ends this year for 2023. And here are the thoughts. Uh, thoughts. So we do have, you know, quick hi to Vignesh, Naren, Prashant, uh, Satya, and Pratik. Uh, you can see their colors that they're supporting as their backgrounds. And you might have a question mark about Vignesh, but we'll have him answer that one. So first up, you know, a season of domination by one particular constructor and more specifically a driver who probably took in a lot more of the burden of the points that are that show in the final results. But a decent finish off for the second person there also, even though there were question marks through the season. Uh you know, we'll probably start off with Satya, what are your thoughts on Red Bull and 2023?
1: See as much as I support Mercedes, it you can't deny the fact that this was a dominant season. The RB16 is without doubt the most dominant car that has ever existed in Formula 1. The amount of the different types of records that were broken, like you said, 1000 miles, the most number of wins in a season, um, the consecutive number of wins in a season, all of those records have been broken and I am pretty sure that, that they might not get broken for a very long time. The season for the winner, like what? Around 10 races back, it was decided. 10 races back, it was already decided. So after a point, it was just a sus because Max just kept winning. Now, granted, he was dominant. You, you can't deny that. But the fact is, if the other teams do not catch up in the next season, it is going to be a very boring F1 season. In 2024. The because after, after because the whole race, what happens? I mean, Max he, he leads the first lap, then he just goes off into the distance, somewhere 13 to 20 to 25 second gap, and then even even the cameramen don't show him anymore. Cameraman is like, yeah, we show him in the first two laps, we'll show him in the last lap. After that, it's just everyone else in the middle. But the season-wise. Can't deny he was what he was at his best this entire season. The car was perfect, he was perfect, the team was perfect. They didn't have to take a single additional engine, electronics. He was just this season was the most perfect Red Bull season that they could have ever had. Hopefully, even after Mercedes, all that they
0: threw at him, right? Like he's had penalties, he he had collisions, but the not really, is still the same.
1: He, he threw things at others. He threw things at others, but he did not get anything penalized for it. Like, for example, we had him overtaking the pit lane, which was not actually allowed. It was told multiple times to not overtake in the pit lane. He kept doing it multiple times, but he was not penalized. And finally, FIA came out in Abu Dhabi saying, don't overtake in the pit lane. But he he would overtake in the pit lane and then he would complain the other cars are blocking him. There is no space to go. Like in Abu Dhabi, he did exactly that, but he didn't get thrown much at he did throw a lot on others, but he didn't get thrown much at Like, for example, uh, he blocked uh, Yuki Sonoda. I forgot the race. But he blocked Yuki Sonoda, but he was never penalized because apparently race the race director did not mention it that Just in that one, uh, during that one race. So, let's not go there. That will leave to weakness to handle all the FIA goof up, ups <laughs> But a dominant season by Max. If... Ferrari and Mercedes and McLaren don't get their heads together and develop a better car. This is, this might continue for at least one more season. I mean,
0: just the optimism there would be when you look at the first half of the season and you look at the second half of the season, uh, you know, McLaren, Mercedes and Ferrari did get in closer. I won't say they sort of overtook or, you know, challenged Max to the extent, but they did get closer. So that is signs of optimism. But I'll move over to Naren to hear and his thoughts about... From 25
1: seconds, they came down to 13 seconds. <laughs> still That's 13 a big difference still.
0: That's why I said optimism. But Naren, what are your thoughts on 2023? Um, okay. We had a few upsets.
2: We had a... I'll probably not talk about Bull because Satya has already told a lot. But one thing I actually wanted to additionally add to the team of Red Bull as such is that um, uh, let's leave max aside because he's yeah he has done everything that he can but let's look at the other driver Chico uh, Perez. he had a brilliant start of the season he was actually competing very very close to max um, so much so that uh, it was like max Checo max Checo and uh, they were you know it was like taking turns to win the races. And uh, at at one point in time, he suddenly started to lose his grip on the car. He was not probably performing as much as he wanted to perform. He was not showing up on the podiums. And if you see, there was a very close battle between him and Alonso for the first half of the season uh, between P2 and P3. And then Aston Martin suddenly went down and he took that opportunity to gain more podiums. And and then it was a fight between Checo and uh, Hamilton for P two and P three. So considering that, considering the fact that uh, Checo Perez was not even consistent, uh, but he came P two, just shows the engineering marvel that Red Bull has created for this season alone. The second thing I wanted to actually tell is that. FIA has been very grave with respect to what has been happening right from the start of the season till now. uh, They have set rules, they have broken the rules, they have invented new rules which we did not have even in the past. So we probably, in my perspective, uh, FIA has to still document each and every single thing that we need to take into consideration before applying a penalty. Uh, Just okay, just. Seeing that okay, this is not happening quite in the uh, quite in one race. Implementing it as a rule in the next race does not actually work. So that was one. And number three is uh, the rookie PS So I had really mind blown at the way he he was performing. Uh, he did not even seem to be in pressure. He, if you see uh, in the Drivers' champ, uh, Championship, he is P9 for a rookie driver. To come P9 by scoring 97 points is not a, it's not a small thing in that one. And he did that. Uh, so if probably he considers to do the same, uh, we might see McLaren as one of the constructors in the future. So these were uh, some of the brief best highlights of the season. Yep.
0: And I think you bring in an interesting point about rookies this year. Obviously, PS3 did great uh, overall. Uh, <clears throat> but even the rookies that had like a cameo performance, like, you know, Liam, and uh, even though F1 sort of goofed up today in the Drivers' Championship, they added a criminal called Paul DeVries instead of Nick DeVries onto their uh, board. And everyone was wondering, who the hell is Paul DeVries? Uh, turns out he's a Dutch criminal. Wikipedia says so. But apart from that, if you <laughs> ignore that typo, you know even all the rookies this year have managed to score points. Actually, everyone this season has scored points except Devries, uh, and obviously the criminal didn't get onto the track. So let's ignore him for a bit. But you know it's been a great season from that perspective, where everyone scored points including the constructors hence, which meant that it's been a lot closer if you exclude the first driver in terms of how teams have been managed to, you know, mix things up compared to previous years. But that could also be because this is the first time the cameramen were focusing beyond the first two at everyone else and hence picking the interest of all the fans of what's happening across the entire lane. But, you know, let's hear Ferrari's uh, perspective from Prashant because they've had a very interesting year full of promises that they couldn't deliver on.
3: Yes, yes, Vivek, absolutely. It's been a year of Thanksgiving from Ferrari, right? We just celebrated last weekend and I think the motto was very clear. You come up on the pole, but you give the victory to uh, Max or anybody else on a platter. That's been Charles Leclerc's uh, you know uh the whole season in a summary i would say i was just reading a few facts you know he was the second most consistent driver to be on the pole of course max being number one and and i think no other driver came as close by but if you look at it there was not a single conversion of that pole to a race victory right uh even in the last four to five uh, racers, I think Charles got a little bit more consistent to get to the podiums. It was a struggle. So let me break the Ferrari season of 2023 into three portions. How they started, how they middle, and how they ended, right? Start was okay, right? Nothing exciting was taking place here and there, scrapped for a podium. Alonso came, big bang. Ferrari was struggling. They had no clue what was happening in. Had a few changes. I think few podiums came in big surprise was signs winning it that was as as you said the only driver a non red bull driver to win it uh, another interesting fact uh, the the least three drivers who won right uh, e- equals to in any season of formula 1 only three drivers winning at 20 plus uh, season right you know i don't know when it was the last but i read it somewhere like that and towards the end Signs faded and Charles came back. So if you if you think about it, it was like a cat and mouse game. There was no consistency. I was very happy to see the first two laps where Charles gave a slight glimpse of a fight to Max. For the first time, I saw Max under a little bit of pressure. If the car had a better performance, could he have overtaken it? He could have overtaken it, right? So there's a lot to be done from, the overall car performance, the consistency factor, and the most important, which is worrying to me in Ferrari, is both the drivers are due for that contract closure by 2024. So both of them have only one year on contract. And there were a lot of rumors, will Hamilton change? Did Hamilton talk to Red Bull? Did Hamilton talk to Ferrari? Meaning we don't know. Those are all grapevines going around. But the, but the difference is we don't have a driver who's going to be there for say next three years to work out on an engine. There could be some contract negotiations to take place in the next couple of months, but that's where the team, the strategy and the overall drivers need to come together for Ferrari. Uh, I was really optimistic that if science had not pitted in that one point or couple of points would have made a huge difference. Uh, It was a close finish, but you know, all due credit to uh, Mercedes, right? They were across the season, came back so strong after a debacle year last year, right? So if you're a Mercedes fan or a McLaren fan, there's a lot more to be joyful about. For Ferrari, it's a drop from two to three. So I would be going back to the drawing board and reassessing a lot of things to, to work on. So not a, not a great season overall for Ferrari.
0: I mean, the, the only plus, I, I think it's also the stomach for a fight, right? The only time I actually yeah. saw Leclerc have a stomach for a fight was maybe the first lap today and the last yes. lap in the previous race where he managed to squeeze, sneak in for a P2. Uh, <clears throat> but that brings us to, your, you know, a great segue that you've brought into is Mercedes, how they've managed to turn around. And from where they started off the year, I think uh, Toto Wolf is probably looking at a big 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 positive on how they've ended and i'd like to hear from prateek what are his thoughts
4: yeah uh hey hi uh, i mean although you guys are seeing a lot of positive about uh, mercedes i i see it as compared to red bull's points right we are still we are still way way behind right and i don't think next year also we'll be in a place where we can like really fight for uh, being the constructor again and right. uh, having 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 said that, uh, I I I'm actually happy about the way at least uh, Hamilton has performed. Right? Uh, he he could have very well ended ended in P two. Right? Uh, by the by the end of the year, he could have stood second because I know that one race he was he was he was disqualified. And even if you factor in one of the other recent races, very, very, very retired, if you, if you add those, add those two, the points between him and uh, Cheko are very close, right? There are about 15, 20 points differences what it uh, comes to. Uh, Despite uh, uh, Perez having a far, far better car, uh, this also shows that how much, how, how much effort Hamilton has uh, put in. Also, also right, last year we were all questioning a little bit about Hamilton because George Russell was performing a lot uh, better than him. But this year we again clearly see that uh, Hamilton is back, right? Uh, and 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 like how all of us have already discussed, if we take out, if we assume that um, um, Max didn't exist this year, right? It was it was still a lot close race all, all over the way. They were like uh even even, even like today, right? There was uh, science was at least before the race ahead of Leclerc, right? Today he didn't he didn't perform and Leclerc won, he he actually overtook him. Similarly, for the fourth place, there was like two, three contenders being just one point away from e- e- each other. So yeah, I mean uh, max made the whole season boring but if you actually take out max i i felt uh, the season was still still interesting i was still rooting for uh, at least in the last few races rooting for hamilton to end up in end up second but uh, but uh, that didn't happen and also 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 kudos to mclaren by by almost uh, two-thirds of the season, at least the, at least the last uh, last half or last one-third, they managed to come back like a bang, right? Uh, they were clearly the second best car after after Red Bull. Um, yeah, and um, also, also, also I'd like to point out even uh, Williams, right? Who were, I think, in the last couple of years, the last… The last in the constructor, they are now at least, I guess, seven this year. So that's also a good progress.
0: Yeah. pratik sounds like Toto Wolf. He's like, we're playing for first place. Everything else is as good as nothing. So second yeah. or tenth doesn't matter. It's not <laughs> first.
4: Matter. Right. No, second, second, second matters. But when you see the gap between them and uh, Red right, uh, right, Bull, it feels like. Uh, mm, mm, I mean, four hundred points difference is like a huge, right? Yeah. If you if you add them and uh, Ferrari, still uh, still doesn't come uh, through. Yeah, yeah. Red Bull is higher. So. I think I
3: think Ferrari, Mercedes, and McLaren should do a joint effort for next year just to beat <laughs> Red Bull. You know, create a new team. You know, uh, call some crazy name and uh, put all six drivers into it with a complete combined technology of all the three companies and see if we can beat it. And if they lose, then we got to give it to Red Bull.
0: Uh, Red Bull is going to say you put all six cars, add up their points also, and then still try to beat
1: See, <laughs> yeah. That's a funny thing, right? It is literally a drinks company that is beating c- constructors. Yeah,
3: car companies.
1: Car companies, yeah. Well, so Red Bull does give you wings. The
0: marketing did work out, <laughs> but you know but, we've heard, But, I, went,
4: so yeah, I, but I guess, but I guess that just this year, right? At least the last two years were pretty, pretty close. This yeah, year, last to last year, say, I think
0: last year was still uh, was the start of like a dominance. This year was massive dominance. But you know, I, I do want to hear out like we we've been bashing FIA for a bit. We have an FIA observer in our group, and also to hear from his perspective on any other aspects that he wants to cover from the season of twenty twenty three. Vignesh, what are your thoughts?
5: So my best observation from the season was when a manhole drain covered damage of a Ferrari car and FIA imposed penalty, and that seemed such a wonderful gesture of. FI, it is give back these other rules. This is what we do and this is we have to follow it like they have followed it textbook word to word in the past race and that shows the dual standards of FI where they might leave a specific team or a specific person go scot-free and they might just crack onto other teams. And this has been a trend with FI. And that's the reason, instead of calling FIA, I call it the mafia. And the reason is this. They are like mafia bosses. I don't like you, you're dead. I like you, you're my friend. This is one thing which I like about the entire season, that they have been the mafia. The second thing is being in a season, being dictating your rules is one thing, which FIA has over the years, made themselves the best thing of creating mockery of the root recognition. but then what stood out to me this season was Liberty Media investing 50 billion dollars in Las Vegas creating a pathetic race where well, your FP1 was cancelled after 9 minutes spectators are thrown out without any defense or with meager defense or coupons for the FP2 there was no good running. The entire circuit had an oil spill because of which a lot of drivers, drivers lost control. And that truly shows that I do understand Liberty Media pushing the limits of getting new audiences. But then it's the audience of the core traditionalists, the Formula One enthusiasts in the regions of Europe, in the regions which have been substantially your market, is the one which will gain you the best results instead of investing in it. Diverging is good. Over diverging is always a problem. So this is these are the two highlights which I found from an FIA perspective. One other highlight which I wanted to tell is the McLaren's and the entire deal behind FIA bringing a new team to Formula One in the near future. And the reason why I find that interesting is because over the last six, seven years, since 2007, when Mercedes was, uh, Braun GP was brought by Mercedes in 2009. After that, you see no new constructor entered Formula 1 apart from HAS. And there has been a strong resilience against new constructors entering F1, considering their pockets of the sponsorship shares and the final total money. Reduces and with the team that I believe Andretti or I think Audi, their combo is coming to F- FIA for Formula One, is a good sign that they are opening up and we can see more competition, probably more engine suppliers. I heard Jaguar is trying to come inside F1, Mercedes recently stuck a deal with McLaren for 2030, so at least Mercedes is there to stay as a. Engine manufacturer. So, this brings diversity. More the diversity, better the competition, better the racing, better for the fans, better the entertainment. And we would have this podcast in a much better manner in the (laughs) TFK.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think diversity helps. But also, like you highlighted, what's mafia without FIA? Because then you're just left with MA. So, from that perspective, they are hand in hand with what is expected there. And Pratik, you wanted to say something?
4: Yeah, one small clarification. I guess we we have had some teams since 2008 who have uh, been part of F1, right? Like we had uh, Lotus and uh, there was also one from Virgin, But I guess uh, they all felt that, hey, we are not good enough. So
1: they all dropped out. No, the problem was it has become being more expensive to be in F1 now. And which yeah. they are not able to. There were so many other teams. Cotsworth, Lotus... Um, even I, Haas I at one point was about to pull out but they got new funding which is why they are still staying otherwise they would have pulled out but I do agree with one thing that Vignesh mentioned which is the fact that instead of creating new boring tracks there are existing tracks that they can make use of even if they want to have new races in US first and foremost 3 races in US is too much you can have maximum up to 2 3 races in US I feel is just too much but even if you want there are existing tracks that they can make use of it is not like us lacks racing tracks instead of because the whole las vegas track a it was a it was a pain to the people who are living there that is not helping anyone uh, that is not helping the residents actually like formula one that is just making them dislike formula one because of the simple fact that they are creating a havoc with their life for six months. All these people had to struggle. Use existing tracks. South Africa has has an amazing track which everyone keeps clamoring for, but FI is like, nope, they don't pay us enough money. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's one aspect, but then you also have to look at uh, the audience turnout for the races. It's been an all time high. So, if FI and is going ching, ching, ching on the revenues in the short term, I think they've got it right. But as an F1 fan, you're right. Like, this might work out for one year, two years, but then there's going to be the slow bore creep as audiences then move out to the next big thing. And Netflix just needs to find another sport and do a documentary series on that. <laughs> and the Netflix effect will have everyone move away from F1 to something else. So, and you'll also lose all the true blue fans who've been around for long enough, because you've gone for the short term money. This thing, but that said, uh, you know, each one you, each one of you has a track in mind that you'd love to see back on the circuit calendar. So let's do a quick round before we wrap up. From each one of you, is that one track that you'd love to see back on the calendar? And repeats are allowed. So let's start off with tuner in.
2: Uh, I've already mentioned the group that, uh, that uh, we need the boot circuit back. It is actually a very, very fast circuit and it would be good to have it back. And since I am actually residing in the very coldest part of Europe, uh, I probably am a little selfish to bring back the finished front break. So these were the two in my mind and uh, yeah, I leave it open to all the others.
0: Yeah. Prashant, how about
3: you? Well, I've been always a huge fan of Sepang. Uh, Interesting fact, I have watched five times races in Sepang. I've always felt the value for money. I've always felt the infrastructure to be very good. And most important, it's a superb circuit. It's hard on the tires, but it's a great one. And somehow, it's been always a lucky charm for Ferrari. Recently, I read an article that Sepang, uh, uh, SIA or SPA, whatever the, the uh, circuit is, they have gone back to negotiate with FIA. and it may not happen in FI 20. Uh, t- sorry, 2024 because the calendar is already locked. Maybe 25 or 26, it could come back, but that means that we may need, we may see some swizzle of another one or two, uh, you know, circuits going off the grid. But yeah, Sepang is the one which I'm extremely interested about.
5: Interesting, Vignesh. So, uh, first of all, I would like the BIC with the international circuit to be back, and considering that MotoGP has currently reached in India, it should propel the direction of and Formula One race coming back to India soon. Said that, there is one circuit which I would love, other than this, is the Hockenheimring from Germany. Being a person who has seen Mercedes' growth, that iconic turn, I believe, when you see that big Mercedes' ring on top of that building. And that's one thing which you cherish as a Mercedes. And that's one thing which I would love to see that.
0: Got it. Cool. Uh, Pratik, let's hear from you as we go around the world.
4: Yeah, uh, I mean, like, like a, a, everyone said, I guess all of us would want both to be back, right? That is, I guess, uh, given from all of us. But in addition to that, I, I, I see that uh, like uh, Germany earlier, earlier had attracted, I guess, called Newburg or something, something like that, which which has stopped. Considering Germany being the place where most of these automotive companies are uh, located, uh, it's it's ironic that there's no race in Germany.
0: I mean, Germany could just do a street circuit on the autobahn, and everyone would think that's just okay. <laughs> yeah,
4: exactly.
1: Cool. And Satya, how about you? For me, it is Portimao and Turkey. I love these two tracks because of the undulations, the elevation changes that come through, especially in Portimao, where they go up and then there's like a steep drop that comes in. So Turkey and Portimao. Turkey, like the higher option. Portimao, also, I'm totally fine with that coming in.
0: And as I just learned from my trip in Sweden, that Turkey is now called Turkiye, officially. They've renamed themselves. So we will also officially call them Turkiye. Turkiye. But yeah, I mean, there is a diversity of tracks across the globe where we have tried and tested historically. there have been exciting ups and downs. So FIA should not have an issue with being able to switch those around. Clearly, the parameters of deciding which tracks get has a lot to do with revenue share and things like that versus, but if they just use the fanometer to decide which tracks are the most exciting. I think in the long run, they would be in a better place. Unfortunately, we are not sitting in that boardroom. All we can do is speak on behalf of the fans on what we think are would be the loveliest circuits to look forward to. Well, FIA has 97 days to think about that before we kick off with season 2024 in Bahrain, uh, which is 29th, Feb, 1st March and 2nd March. So, you know, it's time to tune out, reflect for a lot of teams. Uh, Red Bull's probably going to figure out how do they continue to maintain the dominance or grow it while everyone else is going to be focused on catching up or overtaking. Uh, they've got, again, 96 days to figure that out, along with taking a break. With that, you know, first of all, thank you to all our panelists throughout the season for being available to take their time out, share their thoughts through the ups and mostly downs for all the other teams. Uh, but with that, we look forward to an exciting 2024 because the bar has been set this year. And it's going to be tough to maintain it, which even Max himself has highlighted, like he thinks the season that they've had is, you know, a unique one, he hardly thinks it'd be possible to replicate it. And that basically opens up the door for everyone else. With that, wishing everyone the festive season that's lined up before we meet you again pretty soon. Any last words from a finalist before we close out?
3: No, well,
1: let's if the do other teams don't events. catch up, if the other teams don't catch up, the Red Bull might just replicate the season all over again. And This time, 23 out of 23. <laughs> yes, Prashant. 24. Were,
3: right? uh, I said, let's do let's do an event in person. Let's watch First, a race in person next time around. We have to. We
1: should plan that. That in book a ticket. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, we could ha- we could have him dialed in over the phone if he can't make it. No, no, we'll have him come I over. Think... Why not? Yeah. I can. Or or he can sponsor us to Hockenheim. I don't mind. <laughs> or the spa. <laughs> I can probably book
0: you a
2: spa
5: resort. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> That's spa
3: exactly why I use the word spa. <laughs> <laughs> or or at
5: least we can go for a starting session together. Yeah, Bangalore.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's
1: plan
0: that uh, out. Yeah. For our viewers who are listening in, you know, you've been part of this family as you've been listening in, hearing us out. Feel, free to drop in your comments, you know, share, subscribe, like this uh, podcast that you have. This is part of the Toast Network. We have our cricketing counterparts and the tennis counterparts. So do clue into those channels too. And looking forward to hear from all of you pretty soon.